Vibrations Podcast, Part 20, Joe Farrell. Hi, I'm Gary Brightman, and this is my weekly podcast called Vibrations. Established in 2018, Vibe is a book and music shop situated in Moi Wo on Lantau Island in Hong Kong. So, what's been happening over the past week? The Flower Boat Girl by local author Larry Fane, a novel about the 19th century Lantau pirates, is now available at the shop. For those that had pre-ordered, please come and pick up. All copies are nicely signed, and I've started reading this well-written novel prior to its world premiere at Vibe on Saturday the 3rd of April at 2pm. The books are selling well, and there are only a few spaces left for the premiere if you're interested to attend. Catherine Cormack and Joe Lodder are currently doing their hike for freedom to stop human and animal abuse. Hiking the main trails of Hong Kong, covering a distance of 300 kilometres and an elevation of 18,600 metres. We wish them great strength to achieve this challenge and a safe and triumphant return to Lantau. Remember, it's all about raising charity funds, so please give anything you can spare at give.asia slash campaign slash hike dash four dash freedom hash and i'll put that at the end of this podcast the snake ghetto fabulous a field guide to the snakes of hong kong by adam francis made it across the water to vibe in moi wo on thursday and made a very big splash our fastest selling book in three years was sold out within three hours proving the value of subscribing to our facebook feed at Vibe Silvermine Bay. With over 40 types of snake in Hong Kong, nine of them venomous, it's well worth getting to know your king cobras from your wolf snakes. I will pick up further copies tomorrow, but the thousand book first print run has been devoured by the Hong Kong public at large and Adam is working on a second print run. My new project, Vibe Reboot version 2.0, is underway This new evolution of the shop will consist of downsizing on books and DVDs, of which we have over 24,000, and bringing in new lines of products. Essentially, we'll always remain a book and music shop though. To help me achieve this, I'm giving away books and DVDs every day. I'm also limiting the donations we accept to those only agreed with myself. We will take the right sorts of book, CD, vinyl, hi-fi equipment, puzzles, and games going forward. But please contact me in the first instance on WhatsApp at 9574 5820 or email me at vibehk at icloud.com. Many thanks for your continued support. We hope to get back on track with events in April with some low-key book talks and tiny desk gigs, COVID restrictions permitting. As already mentioned, we have Larry Fane presenting on the 3rd of April at 2pm. We have local photographer Patrick Dransfield presenting the following week on the 10th of April, again at 2pm. I'll also be interviewing Patrick for my next podcast. Both events will go out on Facebook Live as well as being added to our YouTube channel at Live at Vibe HK. Moi Wo's Martin Molden has a new Lantau serving website called Lantau Network. And guess who's on there? Its purpose is to give local businesses and craftspeople a place to advertise their wares and also events happening on the island. 
We'll be interviewing Martin soon for this podcast, but in the meantime, you can find out more at lantownetwork.com. The best ideas are often the simplest, aren't they? And so to this week's interview. Joe Farrell is an award-winning black-and-white photographer and cultural anthropologist. Born in London in England, she has been based in Hong Kong for the past 12 years. Her photography work focuses on the traditions and cultures that are dying out, including the project Living History, Bound Feet Women of China. Joe uses black and white film and shoots on a Hasselblad camera. She has been the recipient of numerous awards for her work on Bound Feet, including Jacob Rees Award, Black and White Spider Award, Centre for Fine Art Photography and Women in Photography International winner, juried by Mary Ellen Mark. She's had solo exhibitions in London, San Francisco and Hong Kong and has been included in group shows in New York, LA and Denver. Her project has received critical acclaim and has been published internationally, including the Smithsonian Magazine, Huffington Post, Wall Street Journal, BBC, CNN, The Guardian, Stern Magazine, Time Out, Fast Company, International Business Times and the Sydney Morning Herald. She's spoken at TEDx Wan Chai and TEDx in Warwick and an In Conversation events hosted by the Women's Foundation Hong Kong in May 2015 and at the Asia House in London in June 2015. She has held talks at Pitt Rivers Museum, Oxford, Bart's Pathology Museum in London and the VNA, Reiko San Francisco, Blue Lotus Gallery in Hong Kong and numerous organisations such as the AWA, Friends of CUHK Museum and Rotary Club. Joe has also done live television interviews at RTHK, The Works, CNN and the BBC News Insight programme and has been a guest speaker on Monocol Radio and RTHK3. So, welcome to Vibe, Joe. It's nice to be here, Gary, on this such a beautiful day. As we do, we'll start off uh, with our ten questions. What's your favourite book or author? There's been a couple of books in my life that have really motivated me or inspired me. One of them is Wild Swans. Okay, uh, yeah. Which, of course, is... Chung Chung is a wonderful woman. But I think when I read that originally, it opened my eyes to what China is like or was like and it really uh, got my inspiration going um one of my other favorite books is the private life of chairman mao it was written by mao's physician throughout his life and it starts off when mao has died and the physician is trying to work out how much formaldehyde to yeah. actually put in yeah. his body and he has to travel to Russia to see what they did there and it's so it's fascinating. Next question, favorite musical artist. Something that really gets me up and going is Nina Simone. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm a yeah. huge fan of any of her music. I did manage to see her twice in London and also Michael Nyman. Um, I've seen him perform live about 10 times. Really? Uh, he, so for those who don't know his work, he wrote the music, the score for things like... Z and Two Nords. Z and Two Nords, uh, Draftsman's Contract, Draftsman, yeah. 
do it live. And also, he was born yeah. on March the 23rd, which is my birthday. Next question, preferred drink? An Earl Grey gin and tonic. Yeah, gin That's infused tea is really nice. Do you have a life motto? My motto is to look both ways. Yes. Because yes. as a photographer, I always say that if I walk down a street and photograph, mm. I want to walk back the same street from the opposite direction because you see other things. Mm. In life, it's important to see other people's perspective before judging. Favourite Hong Kong walk? My studio's in Chai Wan and I like to hike up by the cemetery. During COVID, I've been doing it most days, although it's been a bit more tricky now that I've got a yeah. new dog. Favourite Hong Kong oh, restaurant? God, again! <laughs> I suppose I look at it as where I take people when yeah. they come to visit Hong Kong. Um, I always go to the Peak Lookout for the last 25, 30 years when it used to be the Peak Cafe. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah. And it, it is one of my all-time favourites. I love their soft-shell crab. Yes. So yeah. I'll always order the soft-shell crab, a Caesar salad, um, rosé or chardonnay. So, oh, yeah, yes, yeah. quite often do the peak, the walk around the peak yeah, and yes. end up there. And Stanley, the, the boathouse, which yes. I'm sure used to be called the Blue House. The, the third place I would always take people to is The a third of your favourites, yes. Joe. <laughs> well, I have too many. Yeah, no, uh, go on. Diaper dongs. <laughs> I feel for all of them now that, you know, uh, they yeah, have to close at night. It's such a hard time. Faced with a python whilst walking up to the peak, what would you do? I would photograph it. I would definitely stop and photograph it. I would probably put myself in some danger by getting the right angles yes, and yes. trying to get maybe close-up details of its skin, yes. uh, the scales, the eyes. Best advice you were given? I had an exhibition in London at the Hatton Gallery about 14 years ago and I exhibited my work from China and from Tibet and from Cuba and my beginning of my bare feet work and I had a friend of mine who I've known 20-30 years, Zelda, she is a photography professional, she used to work for the Photographers Gallery in London as the print buyer and I said to her can you give me some constructive criticism can you tell me what I should do and she said to be honest what you need to do and what you're not doing is that you need to focus that your work is too general you have to focus on a on a subject and become the master of it finish this sentence I live in Hong Kong because Part of the reason I live in Hong Kong is, and this was actually talked about in one of your previous podcasts, was uh, that the, how safe it is. Having lived in London and in San Francisco, um, Hong Kong is one of the safest places I've ever lived in the world. Uh, what is your favourite area of Hong Kong? Oh. I'm sorry, I put you through the ring. I know, I it's favourite area. I, I really couldn't say. I... I it's, I, I obviously love Chai Wan. I love Shin Wan, actually. If I could live there, I think it's a really nice cafe environment um, with art galleries and stuff. I mean, maybe not so much now but because of the price rises and stuff. But it's a, a very... Yeah. Creative area, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. What made you come to Hong Kong in the first place? 
Originally, I came to Hong Kong because my dad is an architect, and he had won a he had an architectural pra- he still has an architectural practice in London, and the they won the competition to design the Peak Tower. <laughs> wow! They opened an office here overnight. They had to like yep. open an office here to do it. From that, they won the competition to design Kowloon Station. So. I came over here in 1998 again, second time in 1998, when Kowloon Station was coming to completion to do a book on Kowloon Station. I loved it so much. I, I remember, so I had to go through a lot of the research, the Peak Tower. The Just to remind people, the Peak Tower is actually the shape that we all see as we come up to the tram, that beautiful... Yes. Half Moon Crescent, yes. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, and so when I originally first came here, I yeah. went to the other peak, t- yeah. the, the previous one. I think there's been three. At least three, I would say. Yeah. yeah, and I went to, I actually really loved the design of the yeah. previous one. It was very 50s, and I, there was a restaurant on the, like, the second floor, which is actually yeah. where I met my first cockroach. <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say husband. Or yeah, that my first, yes. <laughs> I, like well, that, it, I think it's the same, isn't it? <laughs> like a, um, I was sitting down in the restaurant and I suddenly felt yeah. something crawling up my leg. Oh, that's a horrible feeling, yes, isn't it? Yes, and that was how I met my first cockroach. Yeah. That sounds like the title of a book. Yeah, it could be, couldn't it? Yes. Actually, it really could be. The third time I came back, I was like, this is for good, that if... I have no work, then I will work out how to get a work visa. Yeah. Work, work, work. And that, that is what I did. I was like, no, this time is for good. Yeah. And so now it's been 14 years. 14 years, brilliant. So you, like I think a lot of people that first came here, you kind of get bitten by the bug, don't you? Completely. You just, yeah. You're a photographer. Yeah. How did you get to be a photographer? What sort of kicked that interest up? Well, it's interesting. I was surrounded by photographers where I lived in London. Two of my uh, flatmates were photographers, but they were very different kind of photographers. One of them did catalogue model photography. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Uh, Clothes, obviously, not. Yeah, (laughs) or semi-clothes or or underwear. (laughs) And uh, another one was editorial and, and fashion photography. And I always loved photography. I always had photography magazines. I was always inspired by black and white movies in the 1950s and 60s that I just loved how they used light and shade. Film noirs, yeah. Yeah, it it was just how they told stories with black and white. Yeah, those old Hitchcock films. Oh, Oh, completely. Yeah. And what completely turned everything around was in 1998 when I was in Hong Kong I went to Beijing for the Easter on a wing on tour because that was the cheapest thing you could do (laughs) it was all all in Chinese they they thought I was mad but it was uh, yeah I would go along on the I joined quite a few wing on tours and you just go along and leave them yeah. Well, because the first day what happened was we went to Mao Zedong's mausoleum yes. and you had to basically run past him. It was this whole rushing mm. around. And I was like, I'm trying to photograph. I went, so I got up at 5 a.m. and I went to Emin 
park and saw them carrying the bird cages and doing oh, tai chi yeah. and uh, fan dancing and I was just memorized and I kept yeah. going and I'd get up early and go to the hutongs before they were all pulled down yeah, and, and, was photographed. and I just thought if I could be doing this for the rest of my yeah. life then that would make me actually really happy so yeah. I suddenly realized I had found my passion and it'd been yeah. there all along but I hadn't realized because it is like that i think for for any westerner going to beijing you know you oh. just you're seeing things that you just have no reference to really as you say the hutongs the parks the 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 right retired people in parks oh doing the dancing mm. and the and the exercising and things but it's, it's culturally and traditionally it's it's i find it you know it's difficult in in hong kong and even in china that they want to leave that all behind that I was thinking about this the other day. I saw this little old man with a Mao hat and a Mao jacket. And I was like, oh my God, fantastic. Because I, I have always loved that kind of more traditional clothes. Yeah. And yet, you know, I know about they want to be more modern and cool and in the mood for love. I yes. mean, I can watch that over and over again. Me too. The yeah. costumes, the music. I actually do yeah. own the, the soundtrack Me too. to it. So really, the, your photography was awakened by China, really, in Beijing. And, and yeah. just, you'd had that experience, obviously, in London, and that sort of put the idea in your mind. But then that really... I used to work for publishers in London, and yeah. I would have to commission photographers. Yeah. And this was a day and age where we had slides and transparencies, and yeah. I would have to catalogue yeah. them. When I was leaving London in 1994, I think it was, um, whether to turn the whole slide library digitize it yeah my first sort of introduction to you I, I guess was your book your yes. recent book um tell us a little bit about that okay so uh i published a book this is my second book my, my uh second book is about women with bound feet it's called living history bound feet women of china and it is the interview and photographs of 50 different women, yeah. mainly from Shandong province, that over the last uh, 16 years that I have interviewed and photographed. And it is kind of trying to show these women because they're not very well documented in China itself. But it was more to get their stories because when I met the first woman, Zhang Yongying, who's on the cover, I realized that I had a perception of bound feet. And a part of this came yeah. from like um, uh, Wild Swans with Jung yeah. Chung's book that the idea of bound feet just sounded so cruel and yeah. horrible that when I met the first woman, I was completely amazed and that how she had gone through this process and actually created yeah. this beautiful object yeah that it was like a sculpture that she had gone through so much to actually achieve this and i just thought it's wrong to say this is a bad thing it's also a judgment that yes. we do things in every society in every culture to make ourselves appear more beautiful and attractive um or to follow traditions of our society and that's all that that's what they had done and that's what was considered beautiful and so 
it's changed my life. This book is one way of, because I'm self-funded, so it's one way of actually uh, making some money to continue my projects. At the right. moment, I've been working on uh, women in Myanmar with tattooed faces, banned by the Burmese government in the 1960s. So again, these are the okay. last remaining women. And the reasons why they did it was because of their own society and what was considered attractive or marriageable quality. Um, and also the women in Myanmar with the brass coils. Right, um, on the neck. Yeah, Kayan women. The Chin women are with tattoos. Kayan women are with the brass coils. And so I've been documenting them and interviewing them. And last March I was supposed to be going back there um, to talk to them. And also um, I had organized going to a tribe which was headhunters and they would tattoo their faces yeah um to in celebration of yeah. some of the heads they had got um That's so alien isn't it and, and so that was but so it's just it's just fascinating yeah. and, and so doing study on gender gender studies about why we alter ourselves you know i yes i was bottle blonde for mm. 25 30 years of my life yeah uh, and it's i have you know i have tattoos and stuff it's just why why do we do these yes. things and um cosmetic surgery just looking at how we alter ourselves yeah quite incredible i mean as you say with the the women with the bound feet did they have a choice whether they bound their feet or did they feel society was expecting that? It was a societal, but it was also um, about a third of them actually yeah. did it themselves. So they, if their parents, their mother did not want to do it to, to them, um, they would wrap their themselves. feet themselves because they knew if they bound their feet, they could have a better life. Really? That's interesting. So they would be able to marry into more wealth? Yeah, and, and the majority of the women that I have interviewed were all farm labourers. They were uh, in rural okay. areas. They were not the elite. They had Very to poor. work. Yeah. So they would marry into a family that had more land, more sheep, okay. more goats. Right, um, right. But it's better than actually, you know, marrying the idiot of the village or, yeah, or not yeah. getting married at all. Girls were commodities. Right. That you, they were there to sell to another family. Um, How sad, you know. really. Yeah. But that's... I think that still happens in so oh, many God. areas. Yeah. And it is sad, but it's kind of like, you know, the, the some of the teenagers of today that, that cosmetic surgery in western cultures that they go yeah. through because they don't think they're good enough or they want to attract richer men yeah which it's about body image isn't it mm. about how the media portray what is beautiful yeah. this year yeah. and and going back on to so you you were you know, you're talking about the the women that had the face tattoos i guess similar to the new zealanders that do as yes. well is that a reason is that a tribal thing or is yeah. that a, yeah okay yeah it's it's completely it's um the story goes that uh, a burmese king a long time ago uh 
thought that the Chin women were very yeah. attractive and took them for their wives. Okay. And um, to stop the the kings and the elite actually stealing the Chin girls, they would yeah. tattoo their faces to show where they belonged, which tribe ah, they belonged to. Okay. So in, within the Chin tribe, there's actually 15 different variants of tattoo. Right. Okay. Some of them are just straight lines. Yeah. Some of them are dots. Some of them yeah. are more Maori. Yeah. Um, there's one tribe which is it's just completely black. Wow. Um, but it which showed w that you belong to a group. This was your tribe, your society that you belong to. Yeah. And that, so it was a weird way of saying. I'm disfiguring my daughter yeah. so that you don't yeah. want her, but yeah. we find it beautiful. Yeah. And there it's was... a little twisted, isn't it? it, it really? but, and then it would be that they believed if you did not have the tattoo markings, yeah. that upon your death, you would not be able to cross over the bridge to the next life because uh, so they wouldn't recognize you okay so they sort of built that around it as well yeah so I mean, yeah some people say it's to frighten off tigers it's yeah it's the same rubbish. with the brass calls it's nothing to do really with tigers i think yeah. people just like that kind of idea yeah so basically you know to for both the women with the bound feet and with the tattoos they're going through this major life trauma at an age of what you know under 10 seven most of them were so the tattoos most of them were done when they were seven years old um the bound feet the majority of them were seven years old it all seems to be around seven and the wow. same with the brass coils wow but the only one with the with the brass coils the the this is being perpetuated by tourism so yeah. i'm not sure what's being happening in the last year with that about four years ago i met a young girl of 18 in myanmar who had had the brass coils put on two years before Crikey. because yeah. her she had been married off at 16 her in-laws had sent her to chiang mai in thailand yeah. where there's a refugee camp for the uh cayenne yeah. which a lot of people think the cayenne are from thailand because they're in this tourist village where people go and visit and um give money so this 18 year old had just yeah. had it done it's quite late isn't it quite traumatic well I, yes I think, you know to, to go but through it's that. but it's this yeah. idea of if you come from a rural community how can you make money how can you better yeah. yourself how can you get up yeah you yeah. know, it, it brings up these whole ideas of, mm. you know, how we change stuff. But it's also of if you don't have the education, women have throughout centuries used their bodies yeah. to make money. Yeah. And um, this is just another way. Yeah. It's, it's, see, it just brings up so much. Yeah. So that's but, why I'm studying it. Cause yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's mind blowing when you start going into it. Yeah. Will you make that into a book? Yes. Yeah. I am working at the moment Great. on a master's uh, yeah. research yeah. in gender studies, which I'm hoping to okay. work that more into a book. The final question, how can people tap into Joe Farrell in terms of what you do and, and what do you want people to go away thinking? People have to think about how they judge others. Yes. That it is way too often that we try and put on other cultures our own experience and is it our business uh, yeah. should 
you know, why are we doing this? And from how do we know whether we're right? I mean, a lot of the women's traditions that I document and I see is about their own society and what they believe. And it's not necessarily what we believe. And for us to go around saying that's disgusting and horrible, that it's, you know, these women have already done it. It's who are are you to judge? Judge, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it goes back to the the question we asked earlier, isn't it, really? Consider things from your, you know, from both angles, Mm. really. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. I've had hate mail. I've had uh, emails that are just vile that have really upset me and so i've said no i'm not reading that anymore it's like you know people yeah, too negative there are haters there will always be haters and so he, he yeah, just for got whatever it reasons. and it's yeah. a lot of them are uneducated okay all right um so how can people get in touch with you joe and find out your work obviously my book is available in your shop it is indeed and yes. Yes, um i i have a obviously facebook Joe Farrell Photography, and I have my website, which is more under Living Her Story Photography, which is a bit, somebody told me the other day, that's a bit long. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Well, it comes from Living History, which I suddenly realise his history. So I changed it to Uh, Her Story. story. Yeah, very good. Instead of History, Her Story. Her Story. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's good. So I, yeah. I was like, hey, yeah. So yeah. I bought that domain and we're yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> off and running. Uh, yeah. yeah, so there, there are mods. Just follow me on Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, you know, I'm I'm yeah. around and uh, I try and do like the green fairs to sell my work. Yeah. Um, but in the last year, that's been yeah, pretty tough limited. Going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if people can still people visit your gallery in Taiwan? Yes, um, um, I'm hoping to set up again. We we've done this previously. Is tours of okay. art galleries, art ah. studios in Taiwan. Okay. And you know, once the restrictions are lifted, yeah. I've got mm. a another Facebook page which I manage, which is called What's yeah. on Taiwan. And so people can actually visit there if they want yeah. to see what is actually there. We we've got a lot of things in China with yes. art studios and photographers and we've got next to me is like mm. king marine fish where you can buy uh, ah. um, oysters and salmon from Norway and stuff that is okay. open all the time and it, yeah. it mainly sells to the restaurants yes so but I normally go in there and you they, yeah. they'll, they'll shuck the oysters for you really? and stuff and there's Italian deli and you yeah know, there's all kinds of things that people don't realize is in China one. Yeah, so get on that MTR or on on the. Uh, well, it's actually I the the bus. Uh, or the bus. Yeah. yeah. The reason why I say the bus because from like central or immigration tax it takes twenty five minutes to yeah. Yeah, because you go up that northern corridor. Yeah, island east. Island east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, up, it's like just motorway. Zoom. Yeah. Yeah, it's. That's what sold me. Yeah. Eight years ago when I uh, saw the studio and got the bus back to Shenwan, it took 20 minutes and I was like, yeah. sold. It just remains for me to say thank you very much, Joe, for thank coming Thank you very today. much for having me, Gary. It's been a pleasure. You can find out more about Joe's work on joe at joefarrell.com. You can also view more on her website, livinghistory.photography.
You can listen to all our podcasts published at SoundCloud under Gauss or on YouTube under Live at Vibe HK or follow the links from my website at vibehk.com. This week's shout out to a local Lantau business goes to the kitchen, the Italian cuisine restaurant in Moiwo. Run by Mark, it's located on the adjacent corner to the China Bear and opposite the Caltex petrol station. You can order takeaway or enjoy the cool, calm, cosy environment from 10am until 11pm daily. They can be found on Facebook under The Kitchen HK or you can phone 5991 6292. The food is excellent and they're well known for their large, tasty, thin cut pizzas. Finally, a reminder that Vibe is open seven days a week, every day of the year, from 12 noon until approximately 6.30pm. Well, that's it for another week. Thanks for listening to the 20th Vibe Book and Music Shop podcast called Vibrations. I'm Gary Brightman. You get my vibe? Can you imagine what this old island must have looked like to those Dutch sailors when they first saw it? Fresh green. Like a dream of a new world. They must have held their breath. Afraid it would disappear before they could touch it.